WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program in this patchy, drizzly day. There is a lot of patchy in there. Someone say patchy drizzle? Yeah, yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, welcome to the Car Doctor program. Welcome to 95.9 WATD. Uh, it's a it's a it's a Sunday, and we're glad you can join us here on the radio. And uh, remember, if you uh, you know miss this program or you missed any of the past programs, so I guess if you're listening now and you missed past programs, you can always go to the WATD website, go to the Car Doctor page, and you can click on you can find podcasts there of past programs. So if you saw something that interested you. Uh, say you like the one with uh, you wanted to listen to the one with Brian Loans from uh, Fox Sports who talked about NHRA and 10,000 horsepower cars. It's all there. You can find it all, uh, and it's uh, you can get all kinds of information. It can even be something like you know how to improve your driving with uh, with the folks from uh, Positive Science and how they came up with a program to help improve your driving. So all kinds of stuff you can find it there, and you can find the podcast at um, you know wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we have a good show planned for today. We have um, Lindsey Brown. Lindsey Brown's the uh, the head technician at the Little Foreign Car Garage, which is a um, automobile and restoration shop up in Waltham and uh, we don't know each other other than on Facebook but I've seen some of your posts and uh, Lindsay you're one of your one of your keys to what you need to do today is be able to talk about cars and not swear how's that I think I can pull off 15 minutes without swearing if I concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, because uh, you know, it's it's every every repair job is just one broken nut or bolt away from being a good day, right? Especially British and Italian cars, they they really uh, push the technician to the limit. Uh, you know, I got my start at a dealership that specialized in British Leyland, Ferrari, Maserati, and Alfa. So I, I learned on the most challenging right from the start. Um, eventually, I decided that the the dealer atmosphere just wasn't right for me. I wanted a more casual, smaller, uh, independent shop with more autonomy and you know, a greater variety of cars to work on. And a little foreign car garage actually used to be owned by someone named Eric Little, uh, who sold it to the current owner in 1976. Uh, I've been working there since 1982. The, the building actually lies in Waltham, Watertown and Belmont. So, like, if we ever call nine one one with a we need an ambulance or something, I'll say, "Well, what part of the building are you standing in?" <laughs> and and the the idea that you work on, you know, a variety of classic cars. And uh, do, does the shop also work on modern cars as well, or is oh, it just mostly? Absolutely, we yep. do scheduled services on Toyotas, Mercedes Benz, and uh, pretty much everything. The, the unofficial motto. Uh, is we never run away from any job. Uh, although sometimes I'd like to walk away quickly. Like if I come around the top of the hill and there's a 69 Citroen DS Cabrio sitting there waiting for me or something like that. Um, I actually I, wanted our unofficial motto to be, if a shoddy job's good enough for you, you've come to the wrong place. But uh, that was rejected. Probably because uh, it was a paraphrase. I didn't actually use the word shoddy. Um, <laughs> well, it, and and I mean, sometimes it is, depending on the customer, I suppose, um, sometimes it sort of is, um, don't let 
don't let perfection get in the way of good. Sometimes, sometimes you just kind of want to get get the car safe and running. But other times, there you have to know your customer. Do they want? Do they yeah. want it a hundred percent? Percent? Or are they happy with ninety percent and they could drive it every day and it's not going to break down? Well, some customers are the if it ain't broke, don't fix it types. And uh, dealerships, in many cases, are contractually bound to fix a car only one way, to, to one standard. Uh, whereas we have the uh, flexibility to do the job in a way that the customer wants and is willing to pay for and willing to live with. Uh, for instance, if somebody wanders into our shop unexpectedly with no appointment, with an emergency, like you know something fell out of their suspension or whatever, uh, Rather than tell them you'll have to wait and make an appointment, or, or you know, we we have the ability to, like, oh, we'll put it right up on our lunch break and and take care of it for you, and uh, we'll send them on their way and say, look, uh, we'll put it on your next bill. Just to remember this next time you need to buy some real work. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that you'd get at uh, at a dealership that has to operate according to a fixed set of rules. We don't have that many rules where I am. The only rules are don't burn the place down and don't scramble the SWAT team. Well, that's those are good rules. Those are those are those are rules that uh, that it seems it should apply to most things in life, I suppose. So, um, is there is there a you you mentioned Citroen as a as a car that you maybe maybe would hide behind the back of the building if you saw it? Um, well, they're not but, well supported in the U.S. No, so, uh, no. Parts and technical support are difficult to come by, if not impossible, but. You know, we'll take it in anyway. Yeah. Somebody might have called nine other shops and been laughed off the, the phone, and then they call us, and the office says, "Hey, come on down." We got well, <laughs> and 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 it's interesting because I remember I had somebody write to me, and they had an RX, a Mazda RX seven convertible, which there was never such a thing made. Mazda didn't make it; somebody cut the top off of it, and they were having some problems with it with, I don't know, climate control or something, and nobody wanted to work on it because it was one of those cars that they're like, well, no, we don't, no, I don't, no, nope, 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 nope. And finally, you know, after a bunch of phone calls, I found somebody who who was willing to take it in with the idea of, you may not get it back tomorrow. You may get it back next week or the week after because it's going to take some time, and they did some stuff when they took the roof off of this and to play with the play with the climate control and you know and it took a little bit of work to find somebody to do it and i'm assuming that if somebody comes in with you know uh, you know maybe maybe even something a little bit more modern like a you know a Saab 93 well you know it's not that easy to get Saab pots all the time so it, people have to be a little bit patient knowing that you know this is going to take a little longer than an oil change on a Camry yeah well a lot of older cars the replacement parts aren't made uh in the original location anymore. I mean, the Germans and the British aren't making parts for 1960s eras cars. Though that's farmed out to the lowest bidder worldwide, which uh, you can't always count on the quality assurance being the same. Not that it was originally that great in England anyway. Um, so th- there's a delay in getting parts, and sometimes parts are problematic that we get. And uh, sometimes I do better putting a good used part in a car than a, a new one of questionable provenance. Well, yeah, and and you know it, it brings up it brings up a lot of you know bad jokes about English electrical systems and warm right. beer the in England. They prefer their yeah. beer warm is because they're accustomed to Lucas refrigerators. Yeah, 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 that kind <laughs> of stuff. Exactly, 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 and and you know. Uh, 
uh, you know, in, in the acronym for Fiat and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, is there is there a kind of car that you, when it comes in, you really enjoy working on? Well, the, the Germans are you know, not necessarily known for making simple cars, but they're they're well thought out, well engineered, challenging, uh, but they're more or less predictable. Uh, you know, we, I enjoy working on BMWs, Porsches, uh, Mercedes Benz. Um, Porsche customers like sometimes they might come in and want the car race prep for a, a weekend at the track or something like that, which is always a fun thing. But I mean, you don't really want a race car for the street. We we had a ultra high boost 911 turbo come in once for a chassis tune, and it belonged to the son of an ambassador from an OPEC country that shall remain nameless. Uh, but he had an unlimited budget and diplomatic immunity, so his car had an ultra high boost motor, a fully prepped race engine. And uh, when I road tested it, I discovered that third gear was enough to get you sent straight to jail. And I never even saw fourth gear in the car. Uh, so that's why I realized that it's possible to have too much power for the street, and like race cars are for the track, and road cars are for the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I where I am currently right this minute, there's a shop not far from me, and it's and I think it's it's maybe the guy and his wife, and maybe there's one other tech who works in there, um, but they kind of specialize in. Uh, mostly german cars but i've seen a few english cars in there as well and they um one of their customers is augie bush the anheuser-busch guy and he races a, he races in a vintage 911 class and i and i didn't know that i just happened to be there i just saw this kind of cool shop and i stopped and asked some questions about some basic stuff and um and I said, oh, "That's a pretty unique looking car." And he said, "Oh, that belongs to Augie Bush." And I, and I was like, "Who's Augie Bush?" You know, being stupid. And he said, "Oh, August. You know, his his family owns the Anheuser Busch fortune." And I was like, "Oh, okay, okay, well, that's good." And he said, "And he said, you know, the, the car's going up to Sebring, and I'm prepping it for Sebring." And we just got chatting and talking along so sort of you know sort of the same idea. And, and he said, "You know, I really like working on these." And I remember I worked uh, years and years ago down the street from Rietzel Porsche Audi. And there were certain 911s that would come in there that Wolfgang Rietzel would go out and work on himself. Cause, and I saw him out there one day, and I said, what are you doing? He says, I just like these cars. I like working on them. So there's certain cars I guess people just either bring them back or they they like some aspect of it or they just or it just makes them think, one or the other. You know. Yeah. Well, we supported a Porsche race effort for a while that uh, actually won three regional championships in GT3. But we discovered what everybody in racing discovers, that uh, it's pretty easy to make a small fortune in auto racing. You just have to start with a large fortune. Yeah, I've, I've heard that before. In fact, a guy that I know, and I, I haven't talked to him this year, but he was a crew chief on a second team for a, a group called Irish Mike's Racing. And... Uh, Fortunately, the guy had a huge body shop business that made a ton of money, and he could support two teams. But uh, yeah, it was the same. It was the same saying. And I guess you know, even in um, drag racing, kind of in a semi-pro thing, it's like uh, spending money you don't have to impress people you don't know. Kind of the same idea. You're going to spend a lot of money no matter how you do it. So uh, it is. It is always kind of fun. Is there is there any cars that come in and you? and you kind of cringe and it might even be cars that are sort of day-to-day vehicles that you kind of look at and go ah. 
Well, I mean, nobody can stay in business if their cars are woefully inadequate. Uh, but there are cars that make you work a little harder to get the job done. Uh, Land Rover and Range Rover uh, present a lot of challenges. Uh, Alfa Romeo, um, a lot of times you'll have to pull various systems out of the way to get at the system that needs service because they just, like, they they were considered more with the aesthetics of the car. And they're, uh, the artistry of their engineers is really unrivaled even by their, well, their designers have yeah. more say than their uh, engineers on things, which, well, you know, they're beautiful, but they can be challenging. It's better than, I guess, the lawyers having the final say. So I kind of like the idea, at least. Yeah, so, you know, part of that. But but that's one of the things that I always remember about working on German cars. If you weren't used to them and you didn't understand them, it was very frustrating. But once you started to get it and you understood, well, I have to take this out to get to this and this out to get to this, it all started to make sense. But, yeah, I guess there is those cars that you kind of look at it and go, why were they? Why? Why were they going to do this? Well, even the Germans occasionally have an inane idea. Like the, the original VW Beetle, they used the spare tire to pressurize the windshield washer reservoir, uh, which made perfect sense if you're selling it to good, responsible German drivers who will top up the pressure in the spare every week when they uh, open up the boot to refuel. But they sold those cars all over the world, so most of them ended up running around with a, a flat spare and no uh, windshield washer. Yeah, exactly. And even even we have we have a uh, we have two Volkswagens in our family. Uh, one that I paid a thousand dollars for a bunch of years a few years ago. That was only supposed to last a year, and my wife likes it, so she doesn't want to give it up. And the idea that it's a it's an '09 Beetle convertible. And the cooling fan went bad, and the idea that you have to take half the car apart to get to the cooling fan took all the fun out of doing the repair. Yeah, well, the, that car, they packaged stuff based on a design that was supposed to look retro like the old Beetle. Uh, and they ended up wasting a lot of space in some areas and then not having space in other areas to, to cater to that look that uh, was what made it a successful uh, sales venture. Yeah, it, and it, it, you know, the idea that you have to... You know, have to take half the car apart, including the front fenders off of it, to get to the to get to the radiator cooling fan was frustrating. Audi makes you take the nose off to do practically anything to the front of the motor. Yeah, yeah, and and in a and in a car that was 13 years old and spent a lot of its time on salty roads in New Hampshire, uh, most of those bolts didn't want to come out. Yeah, well, uh, some car makers decided to go with the lowest bidder for their hardware and the metallurgy just isn't as good so uh, like most asian cars the hardware will freeze up more readily uh because they're, they're not as accustomed to salt on the roads and stuff as for instance a swedish or a german yeah. car might be and it, I, you know and and you've been at this shop for a long time and you you've been there so you obviously enjoy what you do but you're you did I read your also? You started off going to art school. Yeah, um, my f formal education was at the Boston Museum School, uh, and I still do oil paintings uh, as therapy to make the week go away, uh, and wildlife photography. And when, on a weekend, well, uh, that's usually is, what I'm doing. Which is better than drugs and alcohol, I suppose. So. Yeah, and it's certainly yeah. better than working on cars on my weekend as well. I just I refuse to do that. 
And and but so you you started you started there. So how did you get into car repair? Well, when I was a kid, I took my bicycles apart and put them back together better, which my parents took. You know, that, they had to get used to the idea that I was just going to take a nice new bike apart. But then they saw that I could build them. But in high school, I wanted my own car, so I, I bought a 64 Pontiac GTO basket case and had to learn how to put it together myself. So I founded the Will Work for Beer auto shop in my parents' driveway, and my buddies would come over, and we sort of figured out how to make the cars work. Um, but my dad saw me as a teenage boy building a dragster for the street and figured that could be a formula for disaster. So being the clever guy that he was, he turned me on to BMWs, and uh, I never looked back from there. Like I, I know a lot of people were taught that uh, give diamonds to women for all occasions, but I met a girl who preferred BMWs to diamonds, so I married her, and I gave her eight BMWs. <laughs> well... Uh, and and speaking of BMWs, you know, BMWs are one of those cars that some people will say, um, you know, yeah, when they get around 100,000 miles on them, it's trying to, time to get rid of them because you're you're on the verge of spending a lot of money. And I was talking to somebody who used to be a uh, BMW service manager, and he's like, well, that's not really true. You just need to buy a good aftermarket warranty. Um, are, they, are BMWs, when they get old, really expensive? Well, I have a 68 BMW with many hundreds of thousands of miles on it. So, I mean, if if you do the upkeep, uh, there's not a whole lot that limits it. The, the more recent cars in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, their philosophy has gone a little more towards the first four years when it's under factory warranty is, is pretty much their target for when they want it to work best. And uh, once you exceed the 10 years or so, uh, you're no longer inside their... Uh, projected lifespan and they, and so you're a little bit more on your own then plastic parts and things like that which they use for cooling systems uh, tend to get brittle and fail after about 10 or 12 years so you just have to stay ahead of that and then you're okay i mean uh, i have a bmw with almost 200,000 miles on it it's uh, 2004 uh, and it's pretty reliable we get along fine Oh, there, there you go, and and it is it is interesting that you know there, you know, I, and I'm sure you you have you've been around so long that you know cars tend to not be unique, I guess, when they break. Sometimes, sure, there's the ones that you're like, oh, I've never seen that happen before, but you know, sometimes if it's a you know a, a two liter Volkswagen engine, and you know that oh yeah, pretty common when these start when these start to get weird. Um, it's going to be uh, uh, the oil control land on one of the pistons snaps off, and you know all of a sudden you're going to hear all kinds of bad noises, and it's going to skip, and it's going to be broken, and you're going to have to fix it. But there's there are there are sort of some um, routine things. I I would guess that when somebody comes in and you go, yeah, we've seen that you know 300 times in the past 20 years. Well, it's funny you should say that because we just had a problem this last week that we'd never seen before, and there was nothing online about it, and all the tech people we called knew nothing about it. It's like we discovered this ourselves, that uh, we put a new transmission and clutch in a Jaguar and uh, wouldn't shift when the motor was running. Hmm. And we racked our brains, and then finally we discovered that the, the clutch was overextending. It had too much throw. Oh. And the pressure plate was bottoming out on the disc and keeping the disc turning. So all we had to do was back off on the adjustment and it shifted fine. But, like, we'd never seen that before. And apparently 
nobody else had either. Yeah, and and that's one of those and that's one of those things that you know some some people kind of you know say to me, well, you know, you you can't you look at some of these things, but it's good sometimes not to jump to conclusions on some things and and you guys you guys kind of thought it through and figured it out and I, and I love those kind of stories where they're where they're sort of unique instances of issues and you work your way through it and yeah sometimes you you know you scratch your head and look and you go well we know how it's supposed to work why isn't it and then you kind of sit down and kind of get through it and figure it out yeah, well, you go to basic problem-solving techniques, which they don't teach in engineering school now or mechanics school. So uh, we just developed uh, a series of tests we wanted to do to test the function of everything. And uh, one of the things when we noticed it wasn't functioning the way it was supposed to, like the light bulb went off, and we go, ah, that's it. Yeah. Do you, do you guys get, and I, and I hope you do, get frustrated when you see that someone's used the sort of parts cannon approach to fix something and you just see a ton of new parts and it doesn't work still? <laughs> the saturation bombing method of diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we prefer to come up with the right test, have a smoking gun that points at the particular component and do that component. Otherwise, I mean, you're stuck having to explain to a customer why you had to put, like, eight different parts in the car before the problem went away. Nobody, nobody's happy when that happens. Yeah. And, and it is one of those things, and, and sometimes it can be, I was, and I, and I want to say it was some obscure late model Audi, and, you know, they, they, they threw all kinds of parts at it. Come to find out it was just the battery was bad. You know, the battery voltage was hanging around 12 volts most of the time, and it wasn't up where it was supposed to be. New battery in the car solved the problem. Not that hard to test. We would go there first. It, 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 and that's where, I guess, a good technician starts with the basics, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, you know, without without good power and ground, nothing's, nothing electronic is going to work, and without good mechanical sense to look at something and go this works because of that like the clutch for instance you go well no it's let's look at it let's think it let's think it through you know let's go you know in the case of the guy around the corner from here let's i'm going to think this through while i have a cappuccino in his shop but it's just he's one of those guys and sometimes the solution comes to me at 3 a.m i'll wake up in the middle of the night and go aha and then uh, I'll resist the temptation to call the boss and say, yeah. "Hey, I got it." <laughs> yeah. yeah, good, good, good idea. Yeah, and and you know, one of the things too, I guess, when you're working on some of these classic cars, they're not primary transportation for people, so you're able to put it off a little bit and put a little bit of time to set it aside, so you can so you can think it through and get it done right. Yeah, they're more concerned with getting it done right than getting it done right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, one more time, where is the little foreign car garage located? It's it borders on three different communities, but we'll we'll say it's in kind of Waltham. But where where is it? Okay, uh, we're just outside Waverly Square in Belmont. Uh, we're right on the railroad tracks, about a quarter mile before the tracks stop in Waverly Square. Uh, so it, it is on Thayer Road, which is uh, just outside the square. Yeah, near Trapella and- Road. And you have been called the, at least on somebody commented on my Facebook page, the Obi, Obi-Wan Kenobi of car, of car mechanics. Uh, simply from being Old? around a long time. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, 
It's good to know that, and it's good to have, you know, it's good to have that sort of knowledge, uh, institutional knowledge, I guess is the right word, and, and it's institutional knowledge of all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, the car you're working on or the or you know the customer. And like you pointed out, there are the people that want it fixed right, 100% perfect job, and there's people that just want it good and safe. And to know your customers like that and to work in a shop where you get to um, interact with your customers versus a dealership where the technician never gets to talk to the customer, right. I, think is, I, I think is awful nice. We believe uh, in many cases the customer is best served by using up the parts that they already have, like if your brakes are two-thirds worn, well, wait till they're seven-eighths worn before you replace them and get your money's worth out of the last brake job rather than, like, having to sell the maximum number of brake jobs now. we got plenty of work. We don't need to sell work that isn't necessary yet. Uh, one of my pet peeves, though, is uh, the tire rotation. See, we, we do a lot of uh, chassis tuning, wheel tire work, alignment, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we only do what I call an educated rotation. If you want your tires rotated, we'll spin all four of them on our balancer and check them for straightness uh, and balance, and then uh, we'll put the best two on the front because otherwise, if you just arbitrarily rotate tires, uh, you could be transplanting a shimmy from the back to the front and make it worse than it was before. Uh, the only real reason to do rotation um uh, is to spread the damage from poor alignment throughout all four tires instead of just two. <laughs> it's really a device for getting your car in the shop on their lift so they can diagnose what you need. So if they offer you free rotation, it's like, well, you know, nobody gives anything away for free. That's their that's a marketing device. And it's, you know, a perfectly legitimate one because the hardest part of of staying in business is having traffic coming into the shop. And if uh offers of free service and stuff like that bring people in and you get a chance to sell them work they legitimately need but i i hate it when somebody rotates tires arbitrarily without knowing what the condition of all of them are i mean we measure the straightness of the wheel and the tire and then the overall balance it's called force matching yeah no and somebody said to me how often do you rotate your tires on your car and i'm like never and they said what do you mean never and i'm like well, if they're wearing evenly and they're properly inflated, uh, why would I want to move them from one spot to another? They look fine. Yeah, and that, an they'll, they'll fix it kind of thing. Yeah, and, that was, and I got that advice 25 years ago from some tire engineer who worked for Michelin. And I said to him, how often do you rotate your tires on your car? And he goes, never. And he says, and I can get all my tires for free. And he goes, uh, why, why would, and just the reason you said, why would I want to move what could be a problematic rear wheel to the front, and all of a sudden it becomes annoying when I'm perfectly happy and all the tires are worn the same and I drive reasonable and I don't push the car too hard and the tires are going to last fifty or 60,000 miles sitting exactly where they are. And But he did say, you know, one of, one of the good things about tire rotation, it's a good excuse to take the tires off and look at the brakes and steering and suspension. And, you it know. gets you a safety check, which is always right. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, Lindsay, I want to thank you for taking a half hour of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. And I managed to avoid Not, swearing the whole time. Well, don't start Don't start now. <laughs> okay, well, it's been a pleasure. All right, thank you. All right, take care. And, uh, all right, take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. 
We need to take a break and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, it's simple enough. Just give us a call at 781-837-4900, and we can talk to you about your car, your car problems, maybe what you're doing. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a kind of interesting flashlighty gadget I got in the mail this week. Um, haven't been road testing any new cars because, you know, where I'm located right now, um, I haven't got on the haven't got on the new car rotation list, I guess, uh, because there's a shortage of new cars, new test cars, no matter what part of the country you're in. And uh, but we still have stuff to talk about, like the battery tester. I've talked about a couple of times. I do have an OBD2 uh, Bluetooth tester I need to test out. I haven't done that yet, and uh, this pretty cool flashlight. So we'll talk about that when we come back. And why is it? Cool. We'll talk about that when we get back. Absolutely. Uh, my name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Are you tired of endlessly searching for a reliable painting company? Then look no further than One Stop Painting. Hi, this is Jeff Cohen, owner of One Stop Painting. My local family company has been here for nearly four decades, keeping homes and businesses beautiful and protected from the harsh New England climate. We can handle any interior or exterior painting project, regardless of the size or complexity. But that's not all. We also offer soft washing and restoration services to give your home a fresh, revived look. From repairing basic wood rod to replacing doors, windows, and siding, our full-service carpentry teams can fix and repair any issues. At One Stop Painting, we never subcontract our work. That means you'll receive the highest quality service from our Better Business Bureau accredited company. Don't settle for mediocre service. Your home deserves the best. One Stop Painting is here to deliver. Call us today at 508-888-3500 or visit us online at onestoppainting.com to schedule your painting project today. Again, that's 508-888-3500. One Stop Painting and Renovating You let that mountain You let that river run wide Hi, this is Jeff Neely. And this is Joe Clapp. And I'm Stephen Davis. We're Humble Roots. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio. Hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. On 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. And of course, visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number, should you want to call us, is 781-837-4900. I've been doing this program for two years, and I still still have to have a post-it note in front of me to remember the number. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, so... Uh, but 781-837-4900 is how you get through if you want to talk to us about your car, just like Jim from North Reading's doing. Jim, good morning. Good morning, John. I recently came across your article about uh, doing remotes, uh, uh, remote fobs. Oh, yeah. Um, you you purchased the, uh, well, you didn't purchase, you have the X-Tool, DA, uh, you have an X-Tool. X-Tool. I retired, I splurged. I bought the D8. Oh, all right. Uh, 
but I'm trying to. I haven't purchased it yet. I don't know what to get for for fobs or just remotes. Uh, I've read articles where they talk about it needs a valet button. The uh, X tool says it needs uh, once the enter the remote number slot one one to four. I thought it was going to be easy. Well, no, it's it's well. Some of them are easy. Some of them some of them are so easy you don't need the tool. In fact, uh, I was talking with somebody just this week that had a, uh, a Mercury Sable, and it's it was an older it's an older one like a 2006 maybe, and they only had one fob, and they they went on the internet, they found I think it was. Uh, uh, keylessride.com, I think, is what they used. They found the fob, and it was like forty bucks. They got it, and they like, and they said to me, "How do I, how do I uh, program it?" And with that one, it was pretty simple. You stick the, uh, you you stick the key uh, key in the ignition because it has ignition. The fob's just to unlock the doors, and uh, you stick the key in the ignition, turn the key on and off ten times. And then you like push the buttons on the fob, and it programs it programs the new fob and the old fob at the same time. So some of them work that way. Some of them are real simple. Other ones, um, my neighbor has a um, Mini Cooper, and he said I only got one fob with it. Does that fancy tool you have work? And I actually emailed the X Tool people and said, what do I need to do to program a fob for a mini cooper and they said oh you need to buy this other 500 dollars attachment and i'm like well i'm not doing that you know i like my neighbor but i'm not paying 500 dollars for an attachment that goes with this so it does depend on how many fobs were made whether you're just copying an old fob or you're going from scratch because sometimes the computer systems in the car will only let you program up to four fobs so in other words if you had the car for a while, and you lost the fob, and you had the dealer make a new one, and then you lost that one, and you had to make a new one, well, now you're up to, you may be up to four, and that's all you can do. So then you have to kind of start all over again, and that requires a little bit more serious programming. So depends on how it works. And one of one of our, um, either other listeners or readers, bought this tool because he wanted to replace or he wanted to uh, make a fob for his Honda Accord, which requires normally going to the dealer, and the dealer wanted $450 to do it. They bought this tool, and they said it took a little bit of tinkering around. They said, but when they were done, you know, $50 later plus the cost of the tool, and they weren't just, and they wanted a scan tool anyway, so they said it's it's actually, it was money well spent. They, at the end of the day, they kind of saved some money. Okay, I mean, I, I, I had heard about that extra part that you were talking about and i said well, i don't want to go that road either right the, 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 these are uh, uh a dodge 05 caravan and a, that has one remote i've got a town and country that has no remote you're saying there's a possibility that the scan tool might even do the one without the fault without any yeah, fob yeah remote? once once you once you plug into it and it will ask are you making new fobs or are you just copying an old fob so it depends on it depends on what the capabilities are, what this what the X tool does that some of the other tools don't. Sometimes you need a pin number, this special number, for security purposes. I, and I went I went to, I, I went to Dodge and asked them for it, and they didn't want to give it to me. Some that's right. As will I guess. Yeah, but the X tool also pulls the pin number. Oh, it does. Yeah. 
uh, which is the- yeah, which is not the case of some of the other tools that I've looked at that you do need that you do need the number. But I did a fob on a Ram pickup truck, and it pulled the pin number. Okay. So I gotta I mean, think it's probably the same. In the Dodge, it, it asks depending on which screen I go to. It says Type One, Type Two, Type Three, Type Four, right. or Type Five. Yeah, yeah. So it is. A, it, yeah, it, it isn't because there are all different kinds. You do need to play around with it a little bit. Absolutely. Okay, I was afraid. I was afraid of. of uh, erasing make, the one I make, currently have. Make it something worse, yeah. And, yeah. and, yeah. And I mean, I've looked at some stuff on, on what, you know, some of the things the X tool is supposed to do when I'm, and it's like, uh, you know, speedometer reset or odometer reset. And I'm like, I don't want to take a chance that all of a sudden the odometer goes to zero and I can't set it back to 100,000 miles like it's supposed to be. I'm like, I, I think I'll just leave that one to one side. But I have to say, I've been, I've been pretty impressed with it. Um, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty good tool. I I was considering I never heard of it, and and I'll be a little honest. Sometimes I'm a little afraid of, you know, some of these tools that come out of companies in China that I've never heard of before. Um, but this one seems to be a pretty good. Do you have the D8 for the high? The D I think there's a nine out now. I might have the I have the one that's not Bluetooth, so it might be the seven. Okay. Might be the eight. Might be the eight. Might be the seven. I, I don't remember. But I, one I of one, yeah, one of them. One of them had the Bluetooth adapter, and I wasn't. I I I didn't want that because I didn't need it necessarily. And um, I know um, uh, I one of the other scan tools I has have the Bluetooth adapter, and uh, it's okay, uh, but it's not needed. The cable the cable's fine for me. I'm not going to be doing stuff that I have to go that far away from the car as it is anyway. But, but I've 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 used it a lot. In fact, I I talked to a local police officer, and we were talking about how uh, speedometers get illegally changed. And I said to him, "It's really a tool like this." And he said, "Show it to me." I showed it to him. He's like, "That's what it takes." And I said, "No, this one actually does it. But you can buy a tool for like two hundred dollars. It can, they can." Set back the odometer that you look at, although the correct mileage is in the is in the car's computer. And it's interesting that the old Volkswagen we have, the speedometer is about a thousand miles off for some reason. I don't know why. the The mileage in the computer is a thousand miles more than the uh, mileage on the odometer itself. So I don't know what happened in the life of that car that maybe they had to do something to it to reprogram the computer. So, so just get a. a I'll go to this keyless ride place and see what they that, offer. That, that's the last. The last place I looked at is I went to the I went to keyless ride, and what it'll do is it'll ask you year, make, model, VIN number, and it'll pop it'll pop it up. That's again. That's there's probably other places too that you can go online um, on that come up with them, but that's the one that that's the one I remember right now at least. So I, I found I found one that was keyless, and I won one, one that came with a blank key that had to be cut. And I'm saying, well, why does it have the key on it? Well, well, because, well, because all, almost every push-button start car has a key built into the fob. So this isn't a push start. Yeah, I don't even but, need the remote yeah, to start yeah, the car. Yeah. Um, but some of them do. Some of them come with that because it's a style fob. Like my. 
my car has a fob and the, you press a button and the key pops out. Another car I had, you press a button and unlock the car, but there's a separate separate key. So it depends on it depends on how it's made, and and you know those those keys are those keys are you know you know either cut on or laser cut for want of a better word. So they're a little they're a little tricky. So just getting that key cut sometimes can get really expensive. But if you don't need a key, you're you're all set. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye. Our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And uh, a company called Infinity X1 sent me a flashlight. And what's interesting about this flashlight is it is rechargeable, but it also has a cartridge that you can put a bunch of AA batteries in. So you can use it as a rechargeable flashlight, or if you totally run out of electricity, I suppose, you can put uh, alkaline batteries in it, or you can put rechargeable alkaline batteries in it. So it gives you a lot of options on how to keep it up. The other thing about it is it is wicked bright. It has three different light settings, and it is just really, really bright. And it's also the, um, kind of an adjustable beam on it. The other thing about it is it has um, the ability to, you plug it into like a you know regular, like looks like a cell phone charger kind of thing. It's a USB-C because, you know, there wasn't enough USBs out there, so they had to come out with this compact USB-C. But the other thing it has the ability to do, it has USB out. So you can actually plug in... If you have an iPhone, for instance, it has USB as the connector that plugs into the power pack. Um, you can plug this into the phone, and then your you can charge up your charge up your phone with it. So it's like a portable charging pack for it. So it gives you a lot of options. It's also if you if you've ever if you've ever used a maglite. Um, the big mag lights, the ones that had three or four batteries in it, that's sort of the size of this thing. It's probably it's probably a good 12 or 13 inches long, uh, pretty heavy, all made out of aluminum. Um, it's uh, a focus beam. It is all LED, so it is really bright, and it is... Uh, it just lit up the whole room. I mean, I just turned it on, and it is it's it's a it's a pretty neat unit. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit different uh, for a flashlight, and you you've seen some different ones around, um, go search for Infinity X1 light. Uh, it claims to be 5,000 lumens. I don't know how you really measure that, but uh, it is 5,000 lumens when it's on. It's um, rechargeable battery on alkaline it drops down to 1200 uh, on medium it uh, it is 1500 lumens on rechargeable 700 on alkaline on low with 700 lumens on alkaline is 300 um, when it's on its brightest setting it will it can stay on for two hours which is a pretty long period of time on the alkaline batteries it's three hours on its medium setting, you get five hours of light, uh, six hours on alkaline. So it actually goes up on the medium setting on alkaline because it's not as bright. And then on its low setting, which is still pretty bright, 
It's 14 hours of light and uh, 18 hours on alkaline because it does drop to about 300 lumens. Uh, you can drop it from a, a meter away, so a little bit more than a f- three feet. And um, on its highest setting, it's the light beam goes 180 meters, which is pretty far. So it's a it's a it's a real interesting light. And uh, one thing you have to be careful of, a little bit careful, is um, you don't put your hand over the top of it when it's on the uh, when it's on the highest setting because it can get pretty hot. Uh, those um, those um, LED bulbs in there will get really hot. So the lens of the flashlight. It has a little warning. May become hot while in use. Do not cover or touch the lens. Do not operate while unattended. Do not place on any surface with, like, the lens down and the light on because I guess it could potentially start a fire. So it is, it's it's a real solid-looking, quality-looking light. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit different, Father's Day gift maybe. I don't know. Mother's Day gift. This flashlight really looks like it does its job, so uh, something to look at. Why don't we take another break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. Uh, when we come back, we'll answer some questions that are in the mailbag. And if you would like to join us, uh, like Tom in Weymouth is going to in a couple minutes, uh, give us a call at 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. On Saturday, March 9th at 2 p.m., Ventress Memorial Library in Marshfield invites you to join us for a special concert to get into the spirit of St. Patrick's Day with returning guest Jordan Tirowasaki. Jordan is an award-winning fiddler who grew up playing dances and folk festivals around New England. His lifelong passion for history helps bring to life the traditional music around which he built his career. This concert is free and open to the public and is appropriate for all ages. We'll see you there. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night, after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor. I just got a text. Speaking of text messages, you can text us, by the way. If you, uh, 781-837-4900, if you want to text us a message, you can do that too because we know how to do that now. Right, Jesse? I did last time. Now I don't remember. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm sure you still know how, maybe. Well, try texting us and see what happens. Um, Anyway, uh, I got a text. Somebody who was listening said, so how much is this super-duper flashlight of yours? And uh, I just Googled it just to see, and it, Walmart.com, it's uh, $53. So, uh, you know, for something that's a power pack, the, the last power pack I bought, which was a, which was a good one that um, could recharge my battery, battery in my phone pretty quickly and do it a couple of times, I think was like $25. So you get a pretty good flashlight, a pretty solid flashlight, really, um, for 53 bucks. So there you go. Uh, let's talk Tom and Weymouth. 
Tom? Hello, Tom? Making the keys, and I had never heard that you could do that before. So could you run that situation by me, like kind of from start on the on what you do? Oh, to, to make a key fob, you mean? Yeah, to make the key fob. I have a 2013 Honda Accord where I lost the key fob, and I've been putting it off because, like I say, it's pretty expensive yep, and just yep. cheap. Uh, and uh, so, but I do, I went through my paperwork, and I found this four-digit number that my wife wrote, and she said, this is to replace a key, very important, do not lose this number. And I always wondered what that was. So what do I need to do it myself? Can I? Um, you you can if you want to spend the money for the equipment. And, and it's sort of funny. I was out for a walk one day, and there was a woman that had a some sort of Nissan. I don't remember exactly what it was. And she lost totally lost the keys to it. She didn't have the keys. She didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And it oh, and it yeah. was yeah. And it was in her driveway, blocking another car in. And it had apparently been there for a week. Because she couldn't find the key, and she finally gave up. And and she um, she went out and uh, called a locksmith. And the locksmith came out, and um, and she and I was just kind of standing there talking to her and just seeing seeing what was going on. And and mm-hmm. um, and first he had to do was he had to get in the car, obviously, because he had to you know had to uh, uh, figure out you know what's going on and. You know how how to make it work. So he used a he used a tool called a leashy tool, which is a which is a, a kind of a lock pick thing that um, it it makes it easy to keep track of every pin as it clicks up and down. So you know that oh this is a six cut, this is a two cut, and you can kind of figure out you know the higher number is a deeper cut on the key, and you get that. So he. <laughs> Picked the picked the lock on the door and opened the door, and it took him five minutes or so. And he's writing down the writing down the the, the numbers as he's going along. So he gets the door open, and then he opens the hood because he had to put a. It sat for a long enough time where the battery was dead, so he had to put a jump pack on the battery. And uh, he got the car, you know, got the car started. And the woman wanted a key fob, so he used a tool called an Autel A U T E L tool, and. Um, he just sat there and you know programmed it and and uh, followed the steps through the menu and when he was done he had a and he didn't have an existing fob to work with so he was creating a new fob um, mm-hmm. and he just followed the steps through it and when he was done <clears throat> and he was done and he was uh, he was very reasonable it was like two hundred fifty bucks which I thought was really reasonable mm-hmm. and um, and I was I was. You know, I was kind of curious, and I said, "Oh, you're using a leashy tool?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, "What are you using for a scanner?" And he said, oh, "I'm using an Autel, and which is which is a which is a professional model scanner." And I said, "Have you tried like the X tool?" And he said, "No." I said, "I've been looking at those," and uh, he said, "But this one has so far has been doing everything I needed to do." Um, it is. Um, you know, and he just he just basically followed the steps. Now I could tell he's done this three million times before, mm. and it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard for him to do. I mean, 
you know, I, it's it's like the first time I ever went to an ATM machine, and you know, I, I you know, I think I had a line behind me of people going, "Will you just get your money out and move on?" You know, but I'm reading everything right. and trying to figure it out. It's kind of the same idea with this. You got you got to follow all the steps. Some hmm. cars do require a separate. You know, if you have one of the fobs, it does require a separate reader that has to read that fob. Other ones, it's built right into the computer. The Honda ones, the Honda ones, it's it's a it's a just a matter of following the steps on the tool to make a new one, and you just need to go buy a, a fob. And usually, the aftermarket fobs work pretty well. So. Hmm. And what tool? So what tool would I need to do it with the? Honda well, tool? well. Well, the uh, you know the one we were talking about earlier is the X tool, and that's it, and it's uh, I think it's uh, I think it's either D seven or D eight is the one, and it's and it's a it's a tablet based tool, and um, you know if you if you look up online X tool. Um, mm-hmm. You'll you'll will, see yeah. you'll yeah you'll see the you'll see the different okay. ones. but it, but it's not it's not cheap it's um you know it's they they don't give them away they're um you know five six seven hundred dollars for the tool so you have to mm-hmm. decide is is that something that you mm-hmm. wanted that you want to do that you want right. to spend the money to um you know be able to just you know do yeah. Yeah, know programming yeah um you know and I'll, and I'll I'll be honest you know they the company sent it to me, so you know it was. Um, no, I get it. Yeah, um, which you know doesn't happen all the time, but um, you know, but sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes you know, somebody will send me something. I'll try it out and see what it is. But um, I, you know, I've I've used it a couple times. It has three years worth of software updates, which is almost a pain because mm. um, when you turn it on, it wants to s- update all the software in it. Um, for every mm. make and model car in the world, mm. so it's like okay. it's like oh, it's updating the Skoda. It's updating oh, the yeah. you know. So it's like these are cars that you know I barely ever heard of, let alone you know why do I need to update it? Well, because that's what it does. It's it's there. So yeah. so what I what I would do is you know look up X Tool and I think it's D eight. And yeah. um, and and look it up on YouTube and see what people are using. Yeah, um, I'm going to know uh, that. Yeah, 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 and and give it a try. And it. yeah, and and look it up um, for um, you know um, uh, key fob programming. And yeah. Um, yeah, and see and see if you think it's something you want to try because it's better to. I mean, I did the same thing. I watched I watched somebody use it on YouTube, and I went, "Oh, that doesn't look that hard to do. Let's see if I can screw this up." And I and I didn't, so I was happy. How do you spell that uh, pro tool that he had? Autel. How do you spell that again? A A A U T E L. Okay. And, yeah. All right. Yeah. And one of one of the things about the Autel tool, and and it's a it's a it's a really good professional tool. Um, hmm. It doesn't what we were talking about earlier on the cars that you do need to pull a pin number for security purposes, and you're supposed to be a certified locksmith or hmm. belong to or belong to something called. Nasty. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> in, but the the X tool actually pulls the pin where the Autel tool you need to get the pin. So um, so mm. and again, and it's not like somebody can go up to your car and go, "I'm going to program a fob to make this work." Because first off, they got to get in it, and then they got to spend yeah. like you got to spend forty five minutes. So they're not going to do that. And the idea yeah. of you know some of the other stuff you see on the internet, you see somebody with some of these little uh, hacker tools, and they're like I just copied your fob programming. Well, the fob 
resets itself every time you lock your car. So they might be able to they might be able to um, copy a fob, but it's not it's only going to work for until the next time you hit the lock button, then it goes away again. So there's a lot of nonsense on the on YouTube too. So yeah. Don't, okay. Don't don't I don't believe everything you read on YouTube or on the internet. No, I, I, no, I don't. So that's yeah. four digit number that I have saved written it's for the key. So that's the pin. Is that I, the pin number? I I bet it's not. I bet it's a four digit number for the radio. The radio. Okay. Yeah. It did say the key, though. My wife's pretty good. Yeah. But I, I, I yeah. know what you're saying about that yeah. one, too. Yeah. All right. I'll let you okay. go. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Right. Thank you. All right. All right. Good enough. Thanks. Take care. Yeah. Well, then, a couple of questions that came in this week. Uh, I recently read an Internet post that talked about motor oils as to which brands to use and which to avoid. Mostly the avoidable brands were very obscure. But Quaker State was one of them. Naturally, uh, one of them naturally mentioned to consider were, I don't know what that really means, the way they wrote that. Uh, others to consider were uh, brand names, Pennzoil, Castrol, Volvoline, Mobile One, etc. Apparently, the avoidable brands, when independently tested, failed to meet SAE standards, even though the oil stated they met SAE standards. Can I safely use any SAE motor oil? Also, I oftentimes use Costco Kirkland Signature motor oil, supposedly manufactured by Warren Distributors. Your thoughts? And my thoughts are... Quaker State's made by the same people who make Pennzoil. It's all part of Shell, so it's all the same. Don't don't think too much of it. And as far as using big box oil like Walmart and all those, they're big companies, but they don't own a refinery, so don't worry about it. They're usually made by other big oil companies, so nothing really to worry about. Hey, that music means we need to go next week. I don't know what we're doing next week. We don't know yet. It hasn't been confirmed, but we'll figure it out between now and then. Until then, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.